Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. This is a bonus episode that we're making tonight for you guys. It was going to be my 4th of July on the 5th of this month, but unfortunately... With a lot of things going on personally, I couldn't get this out to you guys earlier during that day. I do sincerely apologize again. Please welcome to the show to tickle our funny bone, our Mrs. Brooks, and the inner sanctum mystery show to chill our spines the episode for our mrs brooks is the fourth of july episode and the inner sanctum mystery show is called pattern to fear I hope you guys will enjoy the Inner Sanctum Mystery Show and the Our Mrs. Brooks Show for our 4th of July holiday bonus episode. Please comment and subscribe, guys. Thanks. And enjoy the show. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Well, went picnicking over the weekend, found a lovely, restful, woodsy place. Oh, it was beautiful. So quiet, you could hear a body drop. And quite a few did. <laughs> the sun was so hot that one of our party melted to the ground. I'd always wondered over that waxen look about Charlie. Still, it's an ill wind because Charlie had his usefulness at bat. Came the deep night, we ran a string through him and played marbles by candlelight. <laughs> Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, Pattern for Fear, was written by John Robert and stars Everett Sloan in the role of Ludwig with Cameron Prudhomme as Larrabee. And now for tonight's ramble in the Never Never Land. We're in the Avalon Lounge, a fashionable metropolitan restaurant. A waiter approaches a table secluded behind an arrangement of tall potted plants. A lone patron sits at the intimate circular table for two. Uh, your order, sir? If you please, I, I will take your order. You know what I want, Ludwig. Oh. <laughs> Caught you unawares, huh? I, I had forgotten you. In five years, one forgets. And I'll reintroduce myself. Captain Larrabee, Ninth Precinct. Did you read the morning papers, maybe? Uh, I can recommend our lobster Newburgh, the recipe. Page one headline says that Guthrie Stewart. Dropped dead of a stroke. Uh, men die, Captain Larrabee. Uh, every day men die, so that new I life... I thought maybe with Guthrie Stewart dead and gone now, you'd want to talk about things. You were wrong, Captain Larrabee. I have no wish to talk. And in that case, I guess I'll just have to make myself comfortable and wait right here. You are just wasting your time. I don't think so, Ludwig. You're still suffering something in silence. Guthrie Stewart died without a word. But there's an envelope somewhere now on its way over here to you. An envelope? Yes, it's coming by special messenger. The envelope reads, to be delivered on Guthrie Stewart's death. <laughs> Don't look so befuddled. Stewart's lawyer tipped me off about that envelope 15 minutes ago. I said, I'll wait, Ludwig. What I really mean is, we'll wait. 
We wait, the policeman and I, in a grim watch for the messenger soon to come. Captain Larrabee doesn't say it, but I am his prisoner. The restaurant fills up with people, and my mind thinks back five years to this same table for two hidden behind the plants. I remember a conversation I overheard by chance, and the terror that came out. Are you absolutely clear on what you are to do? The lady murder is my business. Very well. Repeat my instructions again. Okay. I'm up there on the terrace outside his bedroom holding a submachine gun. When the 11.30 train comes around the curve, I shoot to kill. You empty the machine gun into his bed. Understand? You empty it. You don't just want him killed, huh? There must be no chance of his surviving this time. This time? So you tried it before, huh? Yes. Here. The address is on the slip of paper. Read it. Memorize it. And then destroy it. When do I get paid? Tomorrow at six. Here at this table. I'll leave first. I watched her leave the restaurant. A heavily veiled woman in black whose face I could not see. A man was to be murdered by a killer for hire. A killer with a cold, business-like look. I watched him read the address, tear it to bits, drop it into the potted plant, and then push the bits of paper under the earth. (laughs) When he left, I recovered the bits of paper and pieced them together. The victim was Guthrie Stewart. The address was Havermeyer Heights, in the suburbs just outside the city. A man's life was in my hands. The murder was to be at 11.30. At 10, I was in Guthrie Stewart's library warning him. But he was only amused. And his wife, too. (laughs) So I'm to be murdered in my bed. Yes, at 11.30 when the train goes around the curve. Well, darling, somebody's undoubtedly heard you snore and has finally decided to take drastic action. Well, you'll make a charming widow, Ellen, if it all comes true. Oh, Oh, but, But it is true, Mr. Stewart. You joke foolishly. I overheard them plotting... See, I, I, I have here the pieces of paper the killer threw in the base of the plant. Look! Hmm. Well, it's my name and address, all right. But what does it prove? I'm in the phone book. Anybody could jot down my name and address. Anybody? What did you say your name was again? Ludwig. Ludwig Heller. I am a waiter at the Avalon Lounge. You think perhaps... I wrote your name down. The way you look at me, I see you think I am a crank. Even crazy, perhaps. Well, frankly, Ludwig, I don't know exactly what to think. You you have no enemies? Not a one, so far as I know. I heard her speak. A voice lusting for blood. Your blood, Mr. Stewart. And I saw him. A man without a heart. A cold machine that kills. You are to die, Mr. Stewart. Hey, hear that? The train close to your home, just as I heard her say. Yes, laugh and make jokes, but when the 11.30 train goes around the curve, you are going to die, Mr. Stewart. A man's life was in my hands. But I couldn't make the victim believe in his own approaching death. I went to the local police station to a Captain Larrabee. There I blurted out the story once more. I waited while he talked to Guthrie Stewart on the telephone. Yes, I got it. Yes, I understand, Mr. Stewart. Sure thing, I'll do just as you say. Look, uh, you, um... Ludwig, uh, Ludwig Heller. Look, Heller. I relayed what you told me to Guthrie Stewart. But I told you it was of no use to do that. He just laughs at it. He's not laughing anymore. As a matter of fact, he's hopping mad right now, and his missus, too. Hopping mad at you. At me? At you. He says if you keep peddling that fish story around, he's going to prefer charges of malicious persecution. He will prefer charges against me? Right. In fact, he left it squarely up to me. Now, you're to promise me you go about your business, whatever that is. I'm to clap you in the clink for observation. He, he thinks I am crazy. He's sure of it. 
As a matter of fact, from the looks of you, I'm not sure you're not crazy either. Now, are you going to do the sensible thing? Yes. Yes, Captain Larrabee. I will go home. The sensible thing. Go home. Eleven o'clock. In 30 minutes, a man would die. And his blood would stain all the rest of my life. Because I was powerless to save him. The sensible thing. Go home, the police captain had said. But I did not go home. I had to see death look deep into its face. I returned to Havermeyer Heights to wait silently in the shadows on the terrace and watch. He was there too. The killer and his machine gun. A black executioner waiting and ready. Guthrie Stewart lived. I saw them in the pale moonlight on the terrace. A shaken man and a frightened woman, both in their nightclothes, armed and unharmed, seeking the assassin, but afraid to search for him. A moment later, I overheard him on the telephone, talking with great excitement to Captain Larrabee. I don't want any publicity on it, but an attempt was just made on my life. Yes. Someone machine gunned my bed while the 11.30 went around the curve. What? I... I wasn't in my bed. A dummy was machine gunned. I fixed the bed clothes to make it appear that I was in bed, just in case... Uh, just in case that Ludwig person was really telling me something. I melted into the night like the killer had. Guthrie Stewart was safe. I had been spared his death. The sensible thing now was to go home. But I was to have another moment with the police that night. Walking along a tree-shaded road to a bus stop, a police car suddenly flew toward me, and I was ordered to halt. You there! Stop! But I didn't stop. Instead, I ran. I don't know why, but I ran like the wind. Still, I ran faster than the bus exploded behind me. Found the neck of woods and hid. I lay face down in the earth for hours, listening to the night. And then, just before morning, I started back to the city, sneaking along the back roads like. like a fugitive. A curious thing had happened to me. In that night, the deep guilt I was sure the killer must feel had transferred itself to me. Well, Ludwig the waiter sure got himself one big tip to a slaughter. Poor Ludwig, his errand of mercy got in the bum's rush over at the stewards. What do you do with a character who laughs at an advance notice of his own death, did somebody ask? Strangle him on the spot, I say. That way he'll positively believe you the next time you're around. <laughs> yes, a murder in time certainly saves a lot of wasted breath. Tell a corpse he's dead and he'll never dispute it for a minute. <laughs> Let's worm back into the story. The next evening, I went to the Avalon Lounge to my job, as I always did. The police hadn't called, or Guthrie Stewart. It was as if there had been no night before. But there had been a night before. The same two were at their table again, behind the tall palms, as they had agreed to be. The heavily veiled woman in black, and the hired killer. Five years have passed. But I can remember that conversation I overheard word for word. Bungler. Stewart is alive. I sprayed the bed full of holes like a Swiss cheese. Maybe 20 bullets. But he wasn't in the bed. Uh, someone was. From where I stood, I could see a figure all curled up. Well, you've got to do it all over again. 
Okay. Tell me where and how. Listen carefully. He will be at a shorefront casino in Norwalk tonight. He will motorboat there from Rye and then back the same way. You will wait at his landing pier. When he ducks, you will have your second chance. What do I do? Wait all night at the pier? No. He always returns home close to midnight. Which landing pier do I wait at? Number 19. It's Stewart's privately. The motorboat he drives has a black eagle painted on it. Will he be alone? He usually is. Uh, do you have a face behind that veil? Don't ever try finding out. Guthrie Stewart's life was in my hands a second time, as if I had been appointed keeper of his destiny. I was there, too, with the fog curling around me just before midnight on the docks facing the Long Island Sound. I hit, but as before, the executioner stood in the fog and mist, not 20 yards away from me, waiting. There were midnight chimes, and on the water, moving closer, the sound of a motorboat returning to dock. The black eagle on the prow was hardly distinguishable. And then a figure stepped out from the boat to the pier. I saw the killer move, and I screamed, Stuart, look out! There is a gunman! He was in a heap on the pier, a white figure. I ran to him and kneeled down to see if life had gone completely. Mr. Stewart! Mr. Stewart! That's not his name, Ludwig. You, you are alive! Very much so. But, but he... My pilot, Jameson. He got the bullets evidently intended for me. Do you get a pulse? No, I, I, I don't think I do, but I, I'm not experienced in such things. Then let me... He's alive. Uh, I will call an ambulance. No, I will. You go home. Oh, but go I... Go home, Ludwig. It's better that you do for both of us. It, it is better for you that I go home? Yes. I'd like this treated discreetly. I'm an investment broker, quite an important one. I know. You know? Yes, I know a great deal about you. That's odd. Since I have been given your destiny in my keeping... In my hands, I have familiarized myself with uh, things about you. The next day, a heavy manila envelope came to the restaurant for me, from Guthrie Stewart. The letter told me about his investment business, his social position, his fear of scandal and things. Besides the letter, there was a check. A $2,500 check for me. The police didn't come until the next night. Captain Larrabee took me to the station house. Guthrie Stewart was there and Mrs. Stewart. Captain Larrabee was trying hard to understand things. Ludwig, who were you before you began waiting on tables at the Avalon and before you started to overhear murder plots? I was just myself. In the world? Oh, quit that kind of talk. I meant, what were you? A waiter. I have always been a waiter. Do you have a mental history somewhere? If you have, better talk up. Might help you out of a jam being mentally irresponsible. Okay, don't talk up. Uh, Mrs. Stewart. Oh, yes, Captain Larrabee. On this sheet, I have some of the speeches written. The speeches that Ludwig claims he's overheard that woman make. Now, please read them in your own natural speaking voice. And read them like a woman bent on getting somebody murdered. Captain Larrabee, you dare oh, look, Mr. Stewart, no dramatics, please. What? I'm just doing a job. Now read them, please. Very well. You empty the machine gun into his bed. Understand, you empty it. There must be no chance of his... of his surviving this time. Oh, Captain Larrabee, must I go on? No, 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 that's enough. Is it the same voice, Ludwig, or almost the same voice? No. The voices are entirely different. You can say that positively? Yes. Also, the other woman was taller and much stouter. Okay, that's that. And I'm not surprised. I'm sorry, Mrs. Stewart. You should be. 
Put your hands out, Ludwig. But put my hands out? That's right. Bracelets for you. Ludwig Heller, you're under arrest for attempted murder. I was sent to a mental ward for observation. There were tests, doctors examining me for weeks and questions. And one day again, Captain Larrabee came to question me once more. I found these certificates in your room, Ludwig. They're yours, aren't they? Yes, they are mine. Common stock certificates in the Guthrie Stewart Investment Company. Fifty of them worth a hundred dollars apiece on their face. That's five thousand dollars. Where'd you get five thousand dollars to invest in stocks? It was my my life savings. From waiting on tables? Yes. From waiting on tables. The stocks took a drop, a, a big drop. These certificates are worth about uh, 20 cents on the dollar today. I know that, Captain Larrabee. Yes, a bear market did it, some people think. A lot of big fellows squeezed a lot of little fellows, maybe. Is that how you figure your life savings were wiped out, maybe? Maybe. Guthrie Stewart's market operations cost you your life savings. Isn't that how you figured it? Isn't that why you came around telling him his life was in danger? To terrify him? Get money out of him for saving his life? Maybe even kill him in the end, anyhow? I am tired, Captain Larrabee. I want to sleep now. You're not going to answer? I, I wish only to sleep now. Uh, doctor! Okay, stall. Don't confess you toted that machine gun up to that terrace. That it was you firing away on that pier. Play tired, play sick. Even beat the rap that way. But you'll still face charges for extorting $2,500. We've got you dead to rights on that. No, Captain. I sent the $2,500 back. Five years ago, I went from the hospital to jail for months without bail while the police tried to build a case. In the end, there was no evidence, and I was free. Free to be watched through the years. Like tonight, here in the Avalon Lounge. Guthrie Stewart is dead. But Captain Larrabee sits with me as we wait for a messenger to come. Uh, Ludwig Heller? Uh, yes, I am Ludwig Heller. I got an envelope for you. Sign here, please. I'll take that letter, Ludwig. <laughs> it's from the grave. The envelope reads, Ludwig Heller on my death. Guthrie Stewart. Now let's see what's inside. You know what's inside, maybe, Helen? Yes, I think I know. In a second, we'll both know. Hmm. Doesn't say much. Does it say, thank you, Ludwig, from the bottom of my heart? Yes. Yes, it says exactly that, word for word. Guthrie Stewart thanking you? What for? I have here in my pocket a letter for you, Captain. It was sent to me five years ago with a check that I returned. Guthrie Stewart told me to give this letter to you any time I wished. I wish now. Here, Captain. Dear Captain Larrabee, Ludwig Heller's story is the truth, the whole truth. The woman plotting my murder is Ellen, my wife. Not out of hatred, Captain, but out of sickness. A mind that has never been strong. She lives in darkness. And I, too, because of her. If I can keep this secret, I can live and perhaps help her. If Ludwig Heller can endure for me and carry my burden, even for a while... Ellen will be hospitalized, and we both will hope. Ludwig Heller has the strength. Now, you understand, Captain Larrabee? Those stock certificates I found in your room. We put them there for you to find, Captain. Guthrie Stewart and I. You did that? You took the kind of rap you did for Guthrie Stewart? For a fellow human in distress, yes. You let yourself be slapped around... Hospitalized, jailed, pounded day and night for years, all for, for an absolute stranger? For a reward, Captain. A great reward. Ellen Stewart was pronounced cured 
six months ago. I am not too young in years, but it has fallen to me, a mere waiter on tables, to bring a new life into the world. The life of Ellen Stewart. Ludwig. Yes, Captain Ludwig. Let's... Let's shake hands. Stop in at the Avalon Lounge, anybody, for the town's best service a la corps. <laughs> Love that Ludwig. A man with a heart of gold and a terrifying knack for business. Other people's business. Big-hearted Ludwig borrowed Guthrie Stewart's troubles and almost lost his own interest in living. <laughs> well, that suggests tomorrow. I uh, overheard this one while eavesdropping on a short-order cook in a chop suey restaurant. Fool who not mind own business always gets the business. <laughs> Inner Sanctum was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. When the 4th of July weekend arrived at Madison High Summer School, it was welcomed most enthusiastically by Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English there. I don't know why I looked forward to such a brief holiday with such keen anticipation. I like my work, and I'm very fond of my pupils. Then there's the school principal, Mr. Osgood Conklin. Well, what do you know? I just found out why I look forward to such a brief holiday with such keen anticipation. <laughs> Mr. Conklin and I never have been what the scientists call chemical affinities. But last week, we really reached the ultimate in mutual harassment. I would hesitate to describe Mr. Conklin's temper as volcanic, but by last Thursday, I would swear I saw a thin trickle of lava flowing out of his ears. <laughs> I was telling my landlady, Mrs. Davis, about it Friday morning at breakfast. He hasn't been this irritable since last month when I broke his new glasses. My goodness, Connie. How did you do that? It was an accident, Mrs. Davis. They broke when we both bent down at the same time. You both bent down? Yes, to pick up a hammer I had dropped on his foot. <laughs> Osgood is certainly hard to get along with. Oh, uh, Connie, did you say you wanted tea or coffee this morning? I said I wanted milk, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> oh, of course you did. I'm getting so absent-minded lately. Almost as bad as my sister Angela. How is Angela, Mrs. Davis? Angela. Your sister. Oh. <laughs> Terribly absent-minded, poor dear. Why, the other morning, do you know what she did? No, what? She found herself with one foot in the bathtub and one foot out of the bathtub. Well, there's nothing absent-minded about that. It happens to most of us sooner or later. <laughs> but Angela couldn't remember whether she was just getting into the tub. 
whether she was just getting out. Well, that is a dilemma. What did she do? She let the water out and took a shower. <laughs> now I'd better get you that hot chocolate you wanted. It's milk, Mrs. Davis, and it's right here on the table. Can I pour some for you? Oh, no, thanks, Connie. I never drink milk in the morning. It keeps me up all day. <laughs> Maybe we should have gone on talking about Mr. Conklin. Say, that reminds me, Connie. How's Mr. Conklin been treating you lately? You should have seen him yesterday when I stopped in at his office to get my check. Was he very disagreeable, Connie? Not at first. That's what's so confusing. When I sat down to sign for the check, he was extremely civil to me, almost courteous. And then in a few seconds, boom, his whole attitude changed. But why? That's what I'd like to know. You think I spilled that bottle of ink on his coat purposely? <laughs> oh, Connie, not a bottle of ink. I couldn't help it, Mrs. Davis, and I tried my best to get out the spot. With what? With spot remover, of course. Or at least I thought it was spot remover. It isn't my fault that Mr. Conklin keeps ammonia in his desk, is it? <laughs> ammonia? But, Connie, ammonia will just burn right through the cloth. Please, Mrs. Davis, you sound just like Mr. Conklin. <laughs> but I won't be running into him for the next few days, thank goodness. I'm going away for the July 4th weekend. But, Connie, can you afford to go away? On my salary, I can't afford to stay home. <laughs> but I've made up my mind to do it if I have to go without lunch for a week. And guess where I'm going, Mrs. Davis? Where? To Eagle Springs. And guess what bashful scientist is going to get the surprise of his life because he's going there, too, and doesn't know I'm coming? <laughs> it's not Mr. Boynton. It ain't Al Einstein. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, Mrs. Davis, I'll get ready for school. Walter Denton should be picking me up pretty soon. Oh, I'm sorry, Connie, but there's something I forgot to tell you. Walter called while you were in the shower and said he can't pick you up this morning. Oh, great. My car won't budge. What's the matter with it, Connie? I don't know exactly. Last time I went out to the garage to look at it, it was lying on its side, panting. <laughs> Walter said he hoped you'd understand, but he had to drive Mr. Conklin to the doctor's this morning. The doctor's? Why, that's a shame. I wonder what's wrong with poor Mr. <laughs> Conklin. Well, Osgood, I can't seem to find anything radically wrong with your physical condition, outside of a slightly elevated blood pressure, that is. Uh, what is my blood pressure, Dr. Haney? Oh, nothing to worry about, Osgood. Around 180, I'd say. Of course, if it gets to 200, uh, I'd advise you to sell. <laughs> if there's one thing I've always wanted, it's a comical physician. <laughs> now, tell me, doctor, what's wrong with me? Well, I can't discover any physical symptoms, Osgood, but there's no doubt about it. Something seems to be troubling you mentally. Now, what is it? It isn't a what, it's a who. And what a who. Even when we're not together, I can still see her face before me. But Osgood, who is this woman? It's Miss Brooks, Doctor. She teaches English at Madison. It seems to me, Osgood, if Miss Brooks grates on your nerves so much, you shouldn't let her cross your path. Avoid contact with her whenever possible. As a matter of fact, I recommend that you leave town for a few days. That's it. I'll do it. I'll go away for the 4th of July weekend. But where? Oh, it doesn't matter where. Do your world of good to get away for a few days. Uh, say, now, maybe I can help you. You? Why, sure. I know the squaw in charge of reservations on the chief. Oh. <laughs> it will be good to get away. You're just the person I wanted to see. Good morning, Harriet. What can I do for you? It's Daddy, Miss Brooks. I'm real worried about him. Last night he cried out in his sleep several times. Mother had to keep waking him up, and, and once in his sleep he screamed out your name. My name? Yes. That's when Mother had to tie him to the bed. <laughs> I think I can explain your father's nocturnal penchant for screaming my name, Harriet. We've spent the better part of this week exchanging unpleasantries. Then Daddy did have words with you? Harriet, your Daddy had words that I wouldn't repeat in front of a sailor. <laughs> he was extremely 
breakfast this morning when Walter Denton drove him to the doctor's. Well, I hope his doctor has a good doctor. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, Harriet, I'll run along to class. Just a minute, Miss Brooks. Here's Daddy now. Oh, good morning, Harriet. Well, the doctor says there's nothing wrong with me physically at all. I knew it. You look better already. Thank you, my dear. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Uh, <laughs> he just took a turn for the worse. Good morning, Miss Brooks. So far, I'd better get into my office now. I'll see you later, Harry. All right, Daddy. But what's the umbrella for? It looked like rain when I left for the doctor's. Oh, and by the way, it's a rather sturdy umbrella, Miss Brooks. Here to whack me over the head with it to start off the day? <laughs> oh, of course not, Mr. Conklin. You're sure now? I'll take a rain check. I mean, I'm puzzled. <laughs> oh, hold still a minute, Mr. Conklin. There's a thread hanging from the lapel of your coat. I'll pull it out for you. Uh, you needn't bother. It's no bother. I'll pull it out in just a second. There, that does it. No, there seems to be more. Hold still, please. I'm waiting, Miss Brooks. I'm pulling, Mr. Conklin. This lapel looks all right, Miss Brooks. Oh, I'm getting it now. This is this a new suit, Mr. Conklin? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> no doubt you remember my old suit, Miss Brooks. <laughs> one, uh, one with the ink spots. Ink spot? How in the world did you get... Oh, that one. Yes, yes, that one. I thought you'd like to know that I cleaned Walter Denton's windshield with it this morning. Well, it certainly needed it. I mean, I'm sorry about your suit, Mr. Conklin, but... Hey, this is funny. There doesn't seem to be any end to this thread. So I see. Miss Brooks, would you be good enough to give me the ball of thread you're holding? In your <laughs> I'll have another lapel sewn on. Oh, forgive me, Mr. Conklin. I didn't realize... My that... brand new suit. Two pairs of pants and one lapel. <laughs> Let me in that office immediately, huh? Step aside, Harry. But, Daddy... Daddy seems quite annoyed at you this morning, doesn't he, Miss Brooks? I think so. In fact, there's an old Eskimo saying that describes his feelings toward me perfectly. It goes, Pulikamu Konakrio Eksho. What does that mean? Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. Here's wonderful news, ladies. Wonderful, wonderful news. Now there's something thrillingly new in Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather. Yes, something thrillingly new. Palmolive's famous beauty lather now brings you new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Millions of women will prefer beauty lather Palmolive over all other leading toilet soaps the minute they try it. For Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather now has a new, clean, flower-fresh fragrance for new allure, new charm. So, ladies, forget all other beauty care and use palm olive soap the way doctors advised for a lovelier complexion. Just stop improper cleansing and instead wash your face with palm olive soap three times a day, massaging palm olive's wonderful beauty lather onto your skin for 60 seconds each time to get its full beautifying effect. Then rinse. That's all. All types of skin, young, older, oily, respond to it quickly. Don't wait another day to try Palmolive's Beauty Lather. You'll be thrilled by its new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Thrilled again by the fresher, brighter complexion doctors prove may soon be yours. For new loveliness all over, use big bath-sized Palmolive in tub or shower. <laughs> Well, I had no further encounters with Mr. Conklin during my first class, and while waiting for another session to begin, I was bolstered by the thought that I'd soon be on my way to Eagle Springs for the 4th of July weekend. While I was marking some composition papers, Walter Denton returned from the errand I'd sent him on. Excuse me, Miss Brooks, but I'm back. Did you get me a ticket to Eagle Springs, Walter? Sure, Miss Brooks, but first I told Mr. Boynton I was going to the railroad station on an errand, and then I volunteered to pick up his ticket to Eagle Springs for him, and when he gave me the money, I just added what you'd given me and bought two tickets, seats 208 and 209 in the parlor car, right smack up against each other. Why, Walter Denton, where did you ever get such a diabolical scheme? From you. <laughs> 
Now, don't you remember, Miss Brooks? You laid the whole thing out for uh, me. Never what? mind, Walter. Are you sure the seats are together? Positive. And it was a lucky break I got any seats at all. The trains are sure crowded for this Fourth of July weekend. Gosh, the station was alive with travelers. Those are the best kind. <laughs> now, look, Walter. You have got to promise me you won't mention my trip to a soul. I don't want Mr. Boynton to know I'm going to Eagle Springs until he sits down next to me on that train. You have my word as a gentleman and a scholar. I've just read your composition. Your word as a gentleman will do. <laughs> no, all kidding aside, Miss Brooks, how did you like my composition? Great baseball yarn, isn't it? Frankly, Walter, it's a little hard for me to judge. I know how crazy you are about baseball. I'd like to be fair in marking your composition, but, well, this time you've really got me stumped. But why? Maybe it's because the first six pages contain nothing but the American League box scores. <laughs> I just put that in to make it more dramatic. Well, some of it is pretty exciting at that. I remember one very eloquent phrase that keeps recurring in the story. Had me right on the edge of my seat. Let me find it. Oh, here it is. Coleman to Sternweiss to Phillips. That's a famous double play combination. You know, on the Yankees. Oh, Yankees, of course. The northern team. <laughs> now, you'd better be getting on to your next class. Now, okay, Miss Brooks. Oh, before I go, is there anything I can do for you while you're out of town? Yes, Walter. Come to think of it, there is something you can do. You'll probably be seeing a lot of Harriet Conklin over the weekend, won't you? That's for sure. Well, you can do me this one big favor. Whenever Mr. Conklin's in the vicinity, please don't mention my name. When Mr. Conklin's in the vicinity, I'm usually not. <laughs> he hates me, you know. <laughs> You're not the only one. But just don't talk about me when he's around. I'm hoping he'll cool down a bit while I'm away. Oh, there's that pesky fly again. He's been in here all morning. I'll be darned if I'd hang around summer school all day if I was a fly. Maybe he needs the credits. <laughs> Hand me that fly swatter, Walter. Thanks. Oh, he lit over here on the door, Miss Brooks. I'll open it and let him fly out. No, don't, Walter. He looks like a germ carrier. I think I've got a good bead on the little pest. Here goes. Fortunately, I get my glasses wholesale. <laughs> Now that you've warmed up, Miss Brooks, how about trying the umbrella? It was an accident, Mr. Conklin. Miss Brooks didn't mean to hit you. She was after that other pest. I mean, the fly. Well, if it isn't Walter Denton, I've hit the jackpot this time. Oh, please, Mr. Conklin, if you'll just sit down a minute. Yeah, uh, Mr. Conklin, just have a seat. I'll gather your glasses for you. Yes. Oh, then. Yes, sir. Get out! Yes, sir! That is, yes, sir. Miss Brooks, the reason I came in here was to inform you, as I have the other members of the faculty, that I'm going away for a while. Away? For how long, Mr. Conklin? Well, this morning I planned on staying away for just three days. But then, when you siphoned off one of my lapels, <laughs> I decided to make it four or five. And just now, when you flogged me with that fly swatter, I realized I'll need at least a week. Mr. Conklin, I won't deny that a series of extremely unfortunate incidents have occurred. How very broad-minded of you. <laughs> well, there won't be any more of them for me, at least not for the next week. I always thought I was a man of more than average courage, Miss Brooks, but I've discovered recently that I'm not. Please, Mr. Oh, it's Con true, true. I am a coward, Miss Brooks. But be that as it may, I am determined to live long enough to be an old coward. <laughs> Hence, I am about to flee the city. But where are you going, Mr. Conklin? I uh, don't know yet. I've called the railroad station, but their trains are all jammed with Fourth of July weekenders. However... Yes, I know. I, it's very crowded on almost all I the trains. I haven't finished talking, Miss Brooks. <laughs> I was about to say, however, I'm going to try the airport this afternoon. Maybe I can get a plane for somewhere. That's a very annoying fly. Oh, I've got the swatter, Mr. Conklin. I'll, I'll get it this time. You just sit still. Uh, no, no, I'll get out of this seat if you don't mind. <laughs> you got up, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> I was saying, Miss Brooks, I'll go to the airport. The 
If I can't get a plane from somewhere, I may fly somewhere without a plane! (laughs) And so, class, it only requires a little concentration to avoid embarrassing mistakes in conversation. We'll take up next the works of Lord Boynton, uh, Lord Byron. <laughs> uh, that's all for now. Class dismissed, and have a nice weekend. Oh, excuse me, Miss Brooks. Could I see you for a minute? Why, Mr. Boynton, you may see me for longer than that. <laughs> Come in, won't you? I just wanted to say goodbye, Miss Brooks. Oh? Going somewhere? Yes. Walter Denton just got me a ticket on the 415 to Eagle Springs. We're going to spend the 4th of July weekend up there. How nice for you, Mr. Boynton. It should do you a world of good. Yes, I really need the rest. I've been working pretty hard lately. Still, I want you to know I'll miss our regular Friday afternoon date, Miss Brooks. I don't see why. That was a pretty tiresome crowd we were running around with. Miss Brooks, we went to the zoo on Fridays. That's what I mean. Every week, the same old hairy faces. (laughs) It does a man good to get away from town every so often. It gives him a chance to think things out, commune with nature, as it were. You know, I like to get next to Mother Nature once in a while. Now, isn't that funny? I feel the same way about Father Nature. <laughs> that is, I'm sure you'll have a lovely time, Mr. Boynton. I knew you'd understand, Miss Brooks. Walter got me a seat in the parlor car. They usually come in twos, you know. Do they? Yes, I uh, I hope someone nice sits next to me. It's quite a long trip, and a friendly traveling companion can make the time pass much more pleasantly. I'm sure you'll draw the doll of the world. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not me. Just my luck. I'll probably wind up alongside some big fat dunce. Do not wait. I mean, it's silly to even speculate about your train partner, Mr. Boynton. Forget it for now. If only he has a good sense of humor. I remember the last trip I took to New York. On my way back, I sat right next to George S. Kaufman, the famous playwright. Really? How was his sense of humor? You'd be surprised. It wasn't so good. I told him one of my best gags, too. You know, the one where I make my shoes squeak on purpose. Well, when Kaufman asked me if they were new shoes, I said, shoes nothing. Those are my Blue Jay corn plasters chirping. (laughs) Now, Now, you know that's funny. It's a scream. How did Mr. Kaufman react? He took two Alka-Seltzers and went to sleep. Probably jealous because he didn't make it up. Well, I guess I'd better be leaving now, Miss Brooks. I've still got to say goodbye to Mr. Conklin. Well, whatever you do, don't mention my name to him. This is one of my bad days. Miss Brooks, you shouldn't fight with Mr. Conklin. I'm not fighting with him, Mr. Boynton. Why, Mr. Conklin would be the first to admit that we'd get along splendidly together if it weren't for just one thing. What's that? Me. Come in. I just dropped in to say goodbye, Mr. Conklin. Oh, sit down a minute, Boynton. I'm just getting some information from the Travel Bureau. What did you say the name of that train was again? The Snake Eyes Limited? Uh, No, no, I'm afraid I don't care to go as far as Las Vegas uh, Goodbye (laughs) Now then, you were saying? Uh, Just goodbye, Mr. Conklin I'm going up to Eagle Springs for the weekend Eagle Springs? But you won't be able to get a train ticket I've tried every which way to get out of this town It's just impossible Oh, not for me, it isn't I've got my ticket right here Seat 209 in the parlor car on the 415 Let's see that ticket, Boynton Well, I'll be running along now, if you don't mind. Just uh... a moment, Boynton. Boynton, I've always looked upon you as one of the outstanding members of Madison's faculty. Not just as a teacher, mind, although you're one of the best. Oh, thank you, Mr. Conklin. But also as a human being. You, Boynton, are the type of chap who would never let anyone down. Gosh, Mr. Conklin. That's why I know you'll sell me that ticket and postpone your own vacation. Postpone it, but Mr. Conklin, I, I can't. Can't? In the vocabulary of a Madison High School teacher, there is no such word as can't. Well, then I won't. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, I've worked very hard for this vacation, of and I... Of course you have, my boy. It was selfish of me to even suggest that you give me your ticket on the train. The 
fact that I'm on the verge of complete mental breakdown should not sway you in the slightest. Mental breakdown? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Carlton. Oh, chin up, chin up, boy. <laughs> Wipe that frown from your face. You should be smiling. We're going on a trip. A happy, carefree trip. Forget about me trembling in my stuffy little office. We're on the train, boy. I can see you now. Sitting there in that plush parlor car, the sun streaming through the windows. What's this? Conductor is approaching. Tickets? Tickets, please. Where's your ticket? Here it is. Thanks, Boynton. I knew you'd come through. Here you are, miss. Seat 208. Thank you. Now, this bag belongs to the gentleman in the next seat. He went back to the smoking car just before we pulled out. Oh, that's perfect. Now I can really surprise him. Oh, you know him? Not as well as I'm going to. <laughs> that is, we've never been on a vacation together before. Oh, that's the fellow coming down the aisle. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's got adhesive tape on his glasses. What? Are you sure that's the man who has seat 209? Well, positive. I parked him here myself. Oh, well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to face the window before he sits down. Uh, what for? If he sees me before he sits down, he'll fall down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. It's a rib. <laughs> a ticket. Ticket. Now, here we are, 209. I ho, I ho, to Eagle Springs we go. Well, well, I have a traveling companion. Yeah, I don't blame you for gazing out the window. Lovely scenery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing like taking a little trip, eh? Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, I don't mind telling you I was a candidate for the Mayo Clinic before I got on this train, but it's going to be different now. I ho, I ho, to Eagle Springs we go, and as we go, I sing ho, ho, ho. Hey, uh, look at the sun coming from behind that cloud. Hmm? Shining on the window that way, it's beginning to reflect your features. Yes? Yes? There are your eyes. Nice eyes. <laughs> there, there's your nose. Pretty nose. <laughs> there's your mouth, your skin. Put them all together, and they add up. We go. Eve Arden, as our Miss Brooks, returns in just a moment, but first. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, yes, tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Luster Cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives you K. Dumas' magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Not a soap, not a liquid, Luster Cream shampoo leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Even in hardest water, Luster Cream lathers instantly. No special rinse needed after a Luster Cream shampoo. So gentle, luster cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight, yes, tonight, try luster cream shampoo. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, after I found out the identity of Mr. Boynton's summer replacement on the train, I altered my plans for the weekend. Computing the wind velocity and the rate of speed at which we were traveling, I decided not to get off until the first stop. Then I took the next train back to town. And when I arrived at the depot, I ran right into Walter Denton. Miss Brooks, what are you doing here? You should be halfway to Eagle Springs by now. I was, Walter, but I found out that Mr. Boynton isn't going, and I couldn't bear the thought of letting him spend the weekend alone. Alone? But, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton got a last-minute cancellation and left for Eagle Springs five minutes ago. What? Sure, I drove him down. Oh, great. 
Well, there's only one way I can celebrate the holiday now. I'll make an anonymous call to Mr. Conklin on Monday. An anonymous call? Yes, Walter. That's the 4th of July, and I'm really going to shoot off my mouth. Next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Pomoded Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Here's a money-saving offer, men. A giant tube and a large tube of palm olive brushless shaving cream for 49 cents. Yes, a 70-cent value for only 49 cents. This offer is made solely to prove you, too, can get smoother, more comfortable shaves the palm olive brushless way. Just follow directions on the tube and treat your face to wonderful shaves. Yes, for extra shaving comfort at extra low cost, don't miss this palm olive brushless bargain. At drug and toilet goods counters, get both giant and large size palm olive brushless. A 70 cent value for only 49 cents. Last year, forest fires laid waste 30 million acres of America's timberland. This year, only you can keep it from happening again. So when you or your family are camping, motoring in, or even near a forest area, remember these four rules. One, crush out, completely out, all cigarette, cigar, and pipe ashes. Two, break matches in two after using. Three, drown all campfires, then stir and drown again. Four, before going near timber, ask fire authorities where campfires or even smoking are permitted. Remember, another 30 million acres will burn this year unless you are careful. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again at the same time next week for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
storm clouds gather far across the sea let us swear allegiance to a land that's free let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies. To the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America. the mountain to the prairies to the oceans white with fall 
America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Well, guys. I hope you enjoyed my 4th of July episode. If you've liked it and subscribe. And remember guys, how blessed we are to live in a country such as this where men and women have fought and paid the ultimate sacrifice for God and their country. By laying their lives on the line for us so that we could have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Thank you to every Army veteran, former and current Navy, Marines, U.S. Air Force, that is serving and has served and thank you to all the men and women who have fought and have laid their lives down on the line for all of us thank you may god bless the united states of america and may god bless everyone that listens to this podcast thank you And have a great night. Please comment and subscribe. Thanks.